Brought to you by The Book Exchange. Use code BX4FINAL4 to save 25% in store or online at bookexchangewv.com. Recorded live in Morgantown, West by God, Virginia, and across the world with your hosts, Kevin Jones, John Flowers, and our lovely co-host, Ashley. This is the Final Forecast Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Final Forecast with me, your host, super real estate agent, great father, loving husband, about to be super duper great financial advisor. I won't name all my titles today. We have a really special podcast today. Uh, got my lovely co-host Ash with me. That's me. Kevin Jones is in Japan land, and he couldn't be here today. He has a game. He was supposed to be here, but he doesn't really care about this podcast. So <laughs> he cares, and I know anymore. he's really upset about missing this one, as he should. Yeah, for sure. We have a, a very special guest. I work for him already, and he doesn't even know it. Didn't even <laughs> hire me yet, but. <laughs> New West Virginia Athletic Director, Ren Baker. Thank you, guys. Appreciate appreciate you having me. And uh, Ashley, I, I appreciate the, the the smile and the nice demeanor. And, and I assume you'll have softball questions and, and John will be throwing these hard questions. <laughs> That's usually, how, yes, you are, you've read us very well, Ren. Well, <laughs> Dave's really nervous about this episode. Let me tell you what he did. He never does this. I mean, he might have did it with hugs, but he's <laughs> hilarious around like important people. This is how I know you're a really. I have a job at WVU. Man. I'd like to keep. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dave for setting this all up too. He did a great yes. job. Good job, Dave. So, but he gets really nervous when every time he's around Coach Hugs, he gets really nervous. He doesn't know what to say. He's stuttering over his words. He's farting. He's doing crazy so the difference stuff. is, John, you've you've lit, you've basically been with this man for so many years. I'm just a nobody that comes around when you're there. It's different your relationship with him. I'm just like, <laughs> can you do a video for TBT, please? <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. Ash, did you see the script that Dave <laughs> sent? Over? I did. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sent this over a script, and I stopped reading it after the first line. He said, "Introduce Ren." Introduce yourselves. Duh, that's podcasting one on one, I would assume. It's a good question. <laughs> Keep it up. He and acts he said, like this is your first podcast. Right. I mean But right? this is what he this is what I start reading. He said, Apologize for Kevin not being available. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's good that we keep the off air stuff off air and don't like bore our guests with this stuff. Oh, me and just me and my wife had a, a great laugh at that one. That was that was amazing. So Mr. Baker, Ren, what, what do I call you? You can call me Ren. Ren, good. First name basis. Southern hospitality guy, I assume. Where are you from? Oklahoma. Born and raised in a town of uh, about 800. Um, and uh, we lived, I, I, I was raised by a single mother, and so we lived in town. But I spent most of my time uh, on my grandparents' farm, which was eight miles from town on 80 acres. So, wow grew up on a farm farm boy yeah yeah like so it. uh so you know it was nothing uh you know people always want to know well, what's it going to be like living um in a smaller uh city and uh this you know compared to where i grew up now compared to dallas fort worth morgantown's <laughs> not not big but right? uh, compared to where i grew up it's it's very big there was no stoplights in my hometown so you have we a, got a, a few of those we do have a yeah. few of those <laughs> Yeah, we got so, some traffic problems here. Like, yeah, that, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe you could fix those too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not but sure not, that's in his department, though. You know, <laughs> one Just, of one of the uh, attendants at the game. He asked me, I was liking it so far. I said, I love it. I said, you know, the people are great. I said, I don't know if I'll ever figure out how to get around. He's like, Yeah, our roads, they suck. He said, yeah. and I said, Well, you can only have roads or people. Like, you want people, so. Yeah, True. we've got great people. So that's a, that's a better place to start. Man, the the people here are great, man. I, I like I said, I started here at WVU in two thousand and seven. 
uh, I was recruited by Coach Beeline. And then Hugs' first year was my first year, so Hugs basically re-recruited me. He came to my house, begged me to come, said, hey, we need you. <laughs> you need your jump shot, you know. So I stuck around for that reason. And the main, one of the other main reasons was my teammates and just the people here are just amazing, man. Like, where I'm from, like, you can walk in a gas station, people won't even say hello or, you yeah. know, they won't ask how you doing and, like, here in West Virginia, they'll, they'll, they'll ask you how you're doing, and they mean they want a response. They want to know exactly how you're doing. So it was, it's a different – it was a culture shock to me, and I'll just – Now, been now where, were you from, where were you from originally? I'm from the D.C. area, Waldorf, okay. Maryland. Yeah, the okay. hood, you know. Oh, don't let this man lie to you, Ren. Do not. Don't. He Hugs grew up better than I did. <laughs> Hugs Facts. will tell you he came to my house, and it was a circular driveway with the cul-de-sac, big house, but <laughs> – he came when I was in high school and we moved and he, he didn't see the, the, the bad parts and everything I went through growing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're so full of it. But, uh, well, I, I will say this, uh, and, and people think, oh, you're saying this because you have to, but um, it's, it's, it's legitimately true. Um, so he- Heather and I, we've been at, uh, I think, six or schools uh, in four states. Um, the girls have been with us now for uh, our oldest daughter has actually uh, been at four schools uh, in, in three states. Wow. And uh, we've never had the welcome that we've had here. Like it's it's really been incredible. Um, and my eight year old who loves attention, my 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 11 year old, she's fine. She doesn't care. My eight year old who loves attention can't wait to get here because she thinks she's a rock star. <laughs> and and uh, but everybody, not just me, like my family has been treated extraordinarily well. And, and when you're moving a family from somewhere they're comfortable, um, you know, you can't really appreciate that till you experience it. But uh, it's been amazing. That's gotta awesome. Get, gotta get some court size seats for your, for your oldest daughter, man. You know, that, my, my youngest one would definitely want it court side. In fact, she <laughs> might try and sit on the bench with uh, Coach Huggins. I mean, when I went with Coach to the Capitol the other day, the first thing she wanted to know was when she would get to meet Baby Dog. So uh, <laughs> that, that's where we're at. So. <laughs> baby Dog. That's, that's funny crazy. that she's like, like uh, of course I'm going to meet the governor, right? Well, like, that's, that's not, a thing. I know we've got other questions to get to, but I was, I, I told, we had a staff meeting this morning, all staff. And I told them, like, everybody's been great to me here, but I'm very disappointed people let me walk into the governor's office and no one told me about this bulldog. I wasn't here during COVID, <laughs> so I knew nothing about this dog. And this dog just walks out like it owns the place and, and like, sits in this chair between – like, no one called the dog. No one said, here, dog. The dog just comes out and sits between hugs and the governor and, like, looks straight at the camera like, you know, like it's the celebrity there. Like it's she knows. Job. That's her spot. This is what she does. Like Unbelievable. The- <laughs> I was blown away by it. I call people all night telling them, you don't believe what happened to me today. I'm not too familiar with the dog, actually. Really? Oh, dude. I've seen, I've seen her before, but I never, you know, I didn't know her name you, or anything. I'm sure you remember. I see her all the time, actually. There were some things that went down on, on Twitter. Uh, what was, uh, oh, was her name? Bette Midler had said some not so nice things about West Virginia in reference to Joe Manchin. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, Governor Justice literally was at the Capitol, took baby dog, turned her over to show her behind oh, in, yeah, and was basically yeah. like, so, so that's that's where baby <laughs> dog went to a whole other level. So, but there's shirts <laughs> everywhere. People like baby dog this. I found some cool ones on Etsy. I should just <laughs> start peddling yeah, I, them because that's something else. Listen, I, I subscribe to, um, oh, this is great. <laughs> Yeah, so I subscribe to the to the Dave Chappelle theory of Twitter's not a real place. So I really don't let it get me down too much. Yes. But there's been some people since we visited the, the Capitol who's come at me like that's some kind of political statement. I was just there with Coach Huggins. Yeah. He was getting recognized. Like, and I, baby dog's independent. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm not trying to make a political statement. I, I Like, I'm neither here nor there on all of that. But, like, you got to love this bulldog that just comes out to take pictures. Like Absolutely. That. And listen, I people just wa- like to get butthurt over nothing, Ren, So don't <laughs> let them get to you. I'm glad you know that Twitter isn't a real place. This is really not. <laughs> don't let it get to you. I try to tell the players that all the time. Don't stay off of Twitter. Like, if you have thin skin, man, you got to. It's not a real place. I, do, I never give people the satisfaction of blocking them. I shouldn't say never, very rarely, but I have muted so many people. I'm just oh, like, uh, you can say what you want. I can't hear that. 
Exactly. Oh, that's it. So you're you're very active on Twitter though. You talk to people and and do that. You take that approach. I'm less active than I used to be, only because of time. Uh, mm. But like when I first got to North Texas, I tried to respond to everything. Um, okay. You know, obviously the volume here with when you have a statewide following, um, I probably couldn't respond to everything, and if I did, it would just encourage more <laughs> more questions. Um, but but I do try and maintain a presence there. Um, mm. You know, I, I think there's a significant portion of um, your audience and your fan base, especially the younger uh, generation that that you can catch there. Now, um, that's where I cut it off. I'm not real active on. <laughs> Instagram and all like I barely could learn Twitter. So I'm, I'm, I'm 44. I'm like Twitter. I had to reach to do that. Um, but, uh, but, uh, I do have an Instagram account, but I've never actually, I don't know what you call it. Is it instant or uh, yeah, well, I don't know, but I've never, or grammed or whatever, but, uh, I've never sent one. What yeah. I'm hearing is that Ren needs a TikTok account and wow. we'll just start uh, posting content on there. There it cool is. Kids. I wouldn't do that one. But yeah, t- mm. Twitter can definitely be used as a tool, man, uh, just to be able to get a feel for how people feel in general, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm, I'm, I, I interviewed for the AD job. I interviewed myself, but uh, I didn't get the call up. So I just want to thank you for taking my job, right? Uh, I, I appreciate well, that, man. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I'll probably get fired at some point and they'll be, it'll be open again. <laughs> just, just keep your resume ready. I mean, you, you took... I've all- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I've always been able to uh, to beat the uh, firing posse out of town so far, so <laughs> so I'm gonna try and keep that streak going. There we go. I think you're gonna be fine though. Already, you're you're a man of the people, clearly, by just you know agreeing to be on our podcast. So I think that says a lot about you. Right. Well, I, I'm looking for. I've looked forward to this. Yeah. We have too. <laughs> trust me. We've been counting down the days. So. So they're, they're, everyone tells me when you have – I've been playing basketball overseas for the past 12 years, um, and everyone tells me you got to stay off Twitter when you get a real job. I'm not sure how. I don't know, man. You're, you're giving me hope, man. So <laughs> if you could be on Twitter, maybe I can. It's uh, – you know, I, I think what what's disappointing about it is, um, listen, fans – I say this all the time – the great thing about sports is normal people who have normal jobs. I mean, I've seen pastors lose their mind at games, you know, like um, <laughs> on the officials, you know, on, on whoever. Like people just can lose it. And so fan is short for fanatical. Um, so if you're going to be active on there, you have to not take that stuff personal. People are going to have hot takes and opinions. And I always tell people, like, listen, I watch uh, games of teams I'm a fan of, and 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 I yell at the TV, and I got lots of advice, but – um, when it comes to WVU, um, I don't get to be emotional or re- or uh, overreactive in the heat of the moment. Um, right. You know, it's part of the job to be thoughtful and analytical and deliberate and and to and really to shut the emotion part out of it. And um, so I think you can be active in those on social media as an athlete, um, as as a coach, as a leader provided that you understand that and you don't let that get to you and that and it's easier said than said than done i mean you're a kicker and you miss a kick that costs you the game and you got to go and hear all these people saying every bad thing in the world about you when you're already at your lowest moment um you know that that's tough um i will tell you like if if we're going through a particularly tough stretch i won't get on there in fact that sometimes i'll delete the app off my phone so i'm not tempted (laughs) to get on there My, my grandfather used to say um both praise and criticism are poison pills if you digest too much of it. And That's uh, true. so um, when the time, when times are good and everybody's telling you how great they are. And, and John, you know, this as a, as a former athlete, when times are bad, everybody's telling you how bad, how bad they are. Really both of those things can mess with your mind. And oh, yeah. so, uh, you know, you always have to keep that in perspective. I mean, what, what I used to try to say is just never too high, never too low. You know what I mean? To stay, stay even. You don't want to, Get, get too big of a head, don't want to be too hard on yourself. So you just got to stay even, man. So, um, just it's switching. hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so hard. But um, I played in Japan, no, France. Uh, this guy's in Japan right now. Uh, Marcus Dove, he told me you were the, the GA for him at, at, at OSU. <laughs> Was that a sign, the Dove? Yes. Every time he would make a shot, that's, that he would go down the court with doing the Dove sign. <laughs> Oh, I love so, that. That's crazy. So he was just ecstatic about 
how you came from where you came from. Like, how long ago was that where you were the GA? He was kind of like an OG to me. We played on different teams, but he really put me on game about playing overseas and, and uh, making my way through that stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, I was at Oklahoma State from 01 to 05. So um, I actually started um, – I mentioned, you know, I grew up, um, you know, my, my raised by a single mom. Um, and so when I got ready to go to college, I, did, I wasn't a good enough athlete to, to go anywhere I could, uh, athletically. So, but I was a good student, and I, and I had taken the ACT as a freshman, did really well on it. Um, and, uh, and, and so my counselor pulled me in and said, hey, you know, you made a really good score for a freshman. You got three years, and if you can raise your score a few points, you can get a full, full ride scholarship. Nice. And um, so I, I kind of focused in on that and um, was able to um, get uh, some scholarships and um, ultimately went to southeastern Oklahoma State, a small uh, regional university in Oklahoma, probably about like Fairmont State. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, me, Reba McIntyre, and Dennis Rodman, uh, that's a that's a pretty broad uh, <laughs> alumni base right there. So That's crazy, um, though, for such a small school. I mean, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, so we... Uh, uh, and so I, when I was a computer science major originally, I, I graduated high school in 96. So you all won't remember this, but, um, in, in the nineties, people thought that all computer systems would crash and your money would be gone. The, that Y2K cause computers were only programmed to go to 99. Oh, I remember that. And so, um, I was, uh, going to major in computer programming, um, and, and, uh, and uh, did that and took uh, theories of coaching basketball for fun. Uh, and in a Division two school, the basketball coach actually taught that course. And so he was one day he kept me afterwards. He goes, hey, you kind of have um, a talent uh, here. Would you want to come out and be a student assistant coach, which was a fancy word for manager. I spent a lot of time up there <laughs> shagging balls and and uh, and uh, doing uh, laundry. But, uh, you know, it uh, – I did that and kind of fell in love and, and much to my parents' dismay, uh, I changed my major to education mm-hmm. and decided I was going to teach and coach in the public schools. Um, and, um, and then, uh, the rest is history. And I, I do believe, um, if you're passionate about something, uh, that, that breaks kind of happen and man, I've had some lucky breaks, including the one at Oklahoma state, but I decided I wanted to get a master's and I sent letters out all over the country. And, um, I got a letter back from Coach Sutton at, at Oklahoma State, a Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Famer and legendary coach. And he said, hey, we don't have anything open, but if you're going to come to Oklahoma State, I'd love to meet you and you're welcome to come to practice. And uh, what happened was the year before they had had a plane crash and their director of basketball operations had had, had been one of the people that uh, died in the plane crash. Oh, God. And they had replaced him. He lived on campus and kind of watched the after the guys. Um, check curfew, more or less. Um, and uh, this is when guys actually lived on campus. And so they replaced him with Brooks Thompson, who was a former uh, NBA player. He was, I believe, a first-round draft pick. Um, And uh, Brooks had made some money in the league. He had a wife and daughter. He wasn't going to live on campus. So at the last minute, it created this GA spot. And Coach Sutton um, interviewed me. When I got there, it was actually an interview. I had no idea. And he interviewed for me for the job, and I got the job. So very lucky break. I was there from 01 to 05, two years as a GA. I started looking for full-time jobs. Uh, and Coach Sutton coming in and goes, why would you take a high school job? I was like, Coach, I got to get a job. He was like, <laughs> just stay here. And uh, I was like, Coach, I, I graduated. My GA ships is over. And uh, he, he found a way to keep me on full-time as kind of assistant basketball operations. And so I was there for two more years, went to the Final Four in 04. Um, that's when uh, Joey Graham um, – Tony Allen was on that team. There were some really good good players. John Lucas III was on that team. Oh, wow. And then the Sweet Six, Sweet 16, uh, the next year we got beat uh, on the last second to uh, Arizona um, in Chicago. And uh, so, anyways, great time. I learned a lot. Um, I, and then I actually thought I was leaving college athletics. Heather and I were getting married, and I had a chance to go home to my hometown and be a principal in the public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, you know, hey – this, I'm playing with house money. Um, you know, I never thought I'd work in college athletics. I was hoping to be a principal in AD like when I was 40, and now I got a chance to do it when I was 26. <laughs> and uh, was there for a year and then uh, got a call out of the blue from from uh, a guy starting up an athletic program at another small Oklahoma university, Roger State University. 
and uh, wanted me to be the AD and basketball coach and start the program. And so did that, and uh, kind of the rest is history. Went on to Northwest Missouri State as the AD, and then uh, Memphis as the deputy AD. Great basketball program. Learned a lot there, and then Missouri, and then North Texas. So uh, it's been it's been fun, and, and we've been blessed with some opportunities, and and. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm thankful for the people that give me those those opportunities. I'd say how how wild though, all from one like random class you took in college, just because you thought it would be fun, and here and here you yeah. are. Yeah, and like sometimes college students will come in, you know, and I always take a meeting if they want a meeting. They're like, you know, they basically are like, how can I get your job? And I first of all tell them like this job's not exactly like you think it is. It <laughs> it, it pays well, and there's fun aspects to it, but there's a lot of hard days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also tell them like, you know, you don't need to be thinking in the terms of, I want that job, or you need to be thinking in the terms of I'm passionate about this. Um, and I really believe that because I love what I do, the, op- a lot of the opportunities have opened up and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I also understand that there was some divine intervention in there. And there are lots, I've worked with lots of good people who haven't had the same opportunities that I have. And then there's been times where I saw people I thought I was better than that got opportunities that I, <laughs> that I would have liked to have had, you know? And, yeah. um, but I, I always tell people like, you can't control other people's race. You can only run your race mm-hmm. and you got to run it to the best of your ability. And, uh, and everybody's race and everybody's path is unique. And, and, uh, so I just have been really lucky and really blessed and, um, and, and, and that includes being here. I like that. I, just real quick, I, I'm of the same mindset because a lot of strange things have happened in my life with certain breaks or things happening that I'm a firm believer the universe puts you where you need to be for whatever reason. So just know you're in the right spot because the universe wants you there. Yeah. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. How, how much of that decision to change your major was because computer science was just a little bit too hard? <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty hard. In fact, I wanted to go ahead and finish out my minor, uh, but I got to, I was telling somebody this a couple of days ago, um, there's a computer, so computer program, program there's different languages, mm-hmm. and um, there was C and C+, and Visual Basic, all this probably doesn't mean much to a lot of uh, you all, but the one that kicked my behind was COBOL, which was a very uh, tough language to program in, it's a lot of banking and financial stuff is done mm-hmm. in COBOL. Um, and in fact, whoever I was telling this to the other day, it was somebody who works in that field said that there's like a renewed uh, demand for people who know COBOL. So maybe I should have stuck with it. I, I might be able to name my own price. But it it, it, it pretty well, uh, that pretty well ended. I think I finished two or three classes short of a minor. Uh, and I was like, you know what? If I got to do this one to get that minor, then I'm just going to so call just, it. It's just learning coding. And, yes, but yeah. but every type of coding, I, I would relate it a little bit to the you know you have Mac and PC uh, and they're and they're different and they're set up different. So like beyond that, like there's just a lot of uh, of different ways to to code in different languages and different commands, and mm-hmm. some of them are easier than others. Right. Yeah, well, that's interesting, man. Learning about your grind, man, where you came from, all the jobs you had, and how you got there. I like hearing about that stuff. Uh, and one of my pet peeves is when I go to a new place and the IT people come in and set something up for me and they talk <laughs> to me like I'm dumb. And I'm like, hey, I'm two classes away from a minor in computer science. So yeah, like, I'm going to go, I know Cobalt. Do you know Cobalt? I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, chill, bro. Like, I can download my own updates. Like, I, I got this. <laughs> Listen, I already turned it off and turned it back on again, okay? That's the first <laughs> thing you do. I know that. Let's, let's just back up a bit to where you said I don't know how to use Twitter or Instagram. Right off the back of that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I'm probably getting a little age on my training. <laughs> so, speaking of all of that, all everything you had to go to to get to where you're at now, the the opportunity for the WVU job comes up. What was your thought process in, in taking this job, and how was it presented to you? And and just walk us through that. Yeah. So. Um, I'll be uh, candid. It was not one I had thought a lot about over the years. So a few years ago, I sat down and made a list of all of the jobs that I would want and then kind of cross-referenced it with the list of jobs I think I'd be an honest, a realistic candidate for. Hmm. Um, So for instance, I might 
would have wanted the Vanderbilt job. You know, Nashville's a good place to live. But my 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 education background, southeastern Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State, and then always having worked at public institutions, like Vanderbilt's going to always hire somebody that came from a high-end academic institution and probably a, 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 a private institution. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do you feel so about I, that? Oh, I think I could have done the job. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, you know, but you know, like you may not love it, but like I, I've always tried to be realistic about things, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sure they that Vanderbilt probably thinks only somebody who's been high at a high end academic understands. The, that academics comes first and that mm-hmm. they're not win at all. You know, they probably use things as a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like uh, within reason you could put me anywhere and I'll figure it out if you just give me a little bit of time uh, because I'm going to, you know, and, and that's one of the things in this interview process, even I told them, I said, my commitment to you is when by the time we get six months into this, no one's going to see me as an outsider. Like I'm going to immerse myself in becoming um you know, a West Virginian and a Mountaineer. And, right. and, um, you know, and, and I said, I have confidence I can do that. Cause like I did it in Memphis, I did it at North Texas, you know, like I'm just, I'm just going to do that. So when the call come for the job, um, it was from a search firm and, um, it was within a day or two, um, you know, after, uh, uh Shane, uh, was leaving. And so, um, the, he, the first question was, would you have interest in uh, West Virginia. And I said, well, I definitely would have interest in learning a lot more because I don't know a ton. Um, and so he talked to me initially about kind of the job and what they were looking for and what the profile um, was. And he was like, you know, he said, listen, if they were, he said, was they were ticking off the the uh, qualifications that they're looking for, he said, you know, you, you fit all of them. And, so what, um, what, are, what are they looking for, though? That's, that's what, what I, I want to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you tell us? <laughs> I Brent, want, Brent, yeah, Brent, I, this this isn't an interview. This is just a conversation. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, you're not in the hot seat. This isn't Tony Caridi yeah. or any of those. No, I, I think, you know, I'm trying to recall that exact conversation, but they definitely want somebody with fundraising background, somebody who um, yeah, they said is you, a people you, person. They said you, you raised a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, who understood, who understands the external, who was external focused, marketing, ticketing, community based. Um, You know, I I, 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 I think they wanted, um, you know, somebody with a track record of being able to work with coaches. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that I coached a little bit really helped. There's not a lot of administrators that, that have that background and they had called around and they knew my relationship with the coaches that had worked for me mm. um, and the coaches that I had hired. Um, and so I think, I think those things helped. I think the fact that um, I, you know, even though I wasn't from here, uh, I've worked a lot um, at more rural institutions and, mm. and, you know, land grant institutions, I think was, was a big part of it. And so, um, you know, I, I, I and I, so as we talked, I, I became more interested and um, actually called some people that I knew that had worked here and uh, just said, hey, what's it like to live there? What's it like to raise a family there? I got two girls and, you know, and a wife and um, and everybody that I talked to um, said, you know, they really loved living here. Now, uh, call, I didn't talk to a single person. Call me, cr- call me crazy, but you just described me, you know, community <laughs> person. I knew you were going to say that. Deal with coaches. You know, so I really don't understand it, why I didn't get the call. Two back, daughters man. and a wife, decide. too. Two daughters maybe and a wife. Maybe, maybe they, they love you so much they didn't want to put you through that. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. You're absolutely right now. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, what, that's what I was going to get to, though. Like, this is – it was a, it's looking at the job and looking at the, the state that West Virginia Athletics is in right now, you know, that you didn't have any – you didn't second-guess the taking this job or was you just like – that's a lot of money. I'm just take it anyway. Yeah. So uh, I had had opportunities to take similar jobs, um, and we were within three hours of all of our family there. Um, North mm. Texas was extremely good to me. I was there six years. I think when I left, I was on my fourth contract. So I mean, they were very aggressive to keep me there. I think I still had eight years left on that contract. Oh, so wow. like, um, but um, you know, uh, I felt like it was time. So North Texas was moving to, to the American. So, so I felt like 
they had put so much into me and I, and there was a certain loyalty that I wanted to get them to a certain place. And I felt at peace about the timing of this. Um, Heather's father passed away uh, a a little over a year ago. She was very close to him. She's the baby uh, uh, girl of, uh, of, uh, she has two brothers, full brothers, a half sister, and then three step siblings. And she was the baby. So her and her dad were very close. Um, And so, that probably allowed us to consider a little bit more, but really it come down to Heather. Like she, uh, she's always said she'll go wherever I want to go, but I've always kind of given her a veto, uh, and, and probably hid behind that a little bit because I was pretty comfortable <laughs> in North Texas. Um, and she was actually, uh, pretty, you know, from the start, pretty open on this one. And she knew a couple people that had lived here. Um, and so, um, you know, she's excited about it. Now there's, you know, certainly some anxiety that comes with moving too, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think this is one of the first ones that, um, that really, uh, that opened up for us that, that the whole family was like, you know what, we think, we think this is one dad you should look at. So, Aww. um, you even got that, the girls, the girls opinion. Yeah, no, the the eight year old is very excited. The eleven year old is just very quiet. But mm-hmm. we had we've had a big breakthrough the last few days. Um, so when we came here. They give the girls a lot of uh, of uh, West Virginia gear. Nice. And um, I noticed a few days, probably a few days later, like the little one was wearing all of hers, and I had not seen the the oldest daughter wear any. Oh. And so I told my wife, I said, I think we got a quiet protest going on here. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, it was college, uh, day at school and, um, my oldest one, uh, they both, uh, wore their West Virginia gear, not their North Texas gear. So that was a big win. And so I, I think we've, we've overcome that hurdle. Nice. Run, maybe you can give me some marital advice, man. How do you, how do you get your wife to just get, go along with everything you say? I mean, I mean, not with everything you say, but the move, like I'm going to come in, I'm, I'm stepping into the real world, the workforce. So. You're not home right now. It's seven thirty at night. Is did you? Did she ever say, "Hey, man, you how do you balance the work and life yeah. and, and at home uh, life?" You know what I mean, family. Well, I, I've had people in this uh, industry ask me that before. Like, how did uh, I get Heather to be the way she is? And I married a good country Oklahoma girl, so you know, I, there's part of that that was just that was just there. But you know what I uh, what I do with my family is. And Heather and I made this deal a long time ago. So when I was at Roger State and we didn't have kids yet, I was uh, doing a basketball coaching search. And I was in the garage on the phone. I'd been on the phone. It was my first big coaching search. And so I'd been on the phone nonstop, you know, until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I was in the kitchen and I heard like the, uh, the biggest noise from the garage. And I'm like, what in the world? And so I was talking to a candidate at the time, said, hey, let me call you back. And I go out there and my wife had kicked over the trash. And my wife is not a <laughs> like I can count on one hand the times I've seen her sh- visibly show anger in, in our married lives. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is wrong? And she was like, I would rather you not come home than to come home and just be on the phone all night. And like it's like you're here, but you're not here. And mm. so um, looking back on that, like. I've gotten to where I can't control the hours, right? Like there's right. times where I, I've got to work, right. but when I am with them, I'm with them. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to be emotionally and mentally present and outside of the president or one of our head coaches calling me with uh, something important. Like I don't take calls from buddies. I don't, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I'll just text and say I'm with the family, you know, and once they go to bed, uh, cause I'm kind of a night owl, I'll try to call, hit people back. But, um, you know, um, I think that we just kind of reached a deal where she accepts the hours, uh, and I accept that when I have a choice, that the choice is them. I love that. That is such a that is actually great advice on so many levels. If you're with your family, be present. And there's a time for work, but there's also time for family. Like I think more people need to learn that. I definitely need to learn that for sure. But yeah, because never- like when you're. When, when your kids are in school during the day or you got, you know, but now like, you know, and my oldest daughter, I've, I've, I struggle uh, with her with this because she loves to just kind of be by herself in her room on her computer or her iPad. And I'm like, no, you're like, you got to kick it with the family. Like, <laughs> you know. Bring it out. But um, I think it is important. And, and we travel a lot together. If, if you know, at North Texas, um, Conference USA had a lot of early bowl ties. 
And when they would ask us what bowls you want, I always wanted an early one because that way I could finish the bowl and take my family somewhere for a few days you know, during the holidays. And so uh, we do li- love to travel. We've been a lot of places, and that's one of the exciting things about here. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to go to John's neighborhood. Hopefully I'll be <laughs> Uh, yeah. but uh, we're going to get to see some places that I've gotten to see because I've traveled and work, but my kids have never really spent time uh, out this It's definitely a blessing, man, and, and mm-hmm. I got two daughters myself, so I'm going to be coming to you for advice on how to on the different stages and different ages and middle school, high school, boy, boyfriends, all that stuff. I need all, I need all oh, the help I can get. When you come see me, uh, I keep uh, – the books that I that have been the most meaningful for me, I buy like a dozen copies at a time, and, and that way. So there's a, here's a book that I'll have for you. It's called Strong Strong Father, Strong Daughters, uh, and it's by Meg Meeker. Now it's kind of a scary to death book because it just basically <laughs> talks about how much your you, your relationship with your daughters affects them for the yes. rest of their life. Yes, a hundred percent. As a girl, I can yeah. honestly tell you, a hundred and fifty percent. That is so true. Yeah. So because of that, like if my daughters need my attention, I drop everything for for them because nice. it, the book talks a lot about it, but if, how if a daughter doesn't have your full attention and going back to why when I'm with them, I'm with them, mm-hmm. um, like the impact that has on them throughout life. You're listening to the official podcast of Best Virginia. So coming in, uh, you see the football team, Ashes. She's always oh. pissed about the football team. She's a real right. person, too, not just on Twitter. Yeah. So you see the football team struggling, the basketball team struggling. Um, and they're, those are really the big money makers in the state, you know. Uh, how, how do you plan on changing anything or fixing that if you, if you, if you, you know, you're going to fix it at all? Do you think yeah. anything needs to be fixed? <laughs> yeah, so uh, – one, I saw it as encouraging only from that, uh, the, the perspective of you look at the history um, and, and certainly our, our, our average uh, season average record is exceeding where we're at right now. So like mm-hmm. it, coming in, you're like, OK, well, I know we can elevate this program because historically we we it's been elevated. Right. right. And so um, and that was part of the evaluation process. And, and I talked to. Um, a lot of coaches that knew the program that either were here or are here that I've worked with before and just said, can you win there? You know, like, cause I don't want to come somewhere, uh, where you can't, where you can't win. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm, I mean, right. Uh, and, um, and, and everybody felt pretty strongly, uh, that, that you can't, um, and, and we've demonstrated that. I mean, uh, and so, uh, I think for me, um, you have to be careful to not rush in and be Tasmanian devil and just start dismantling stuff. Cause you can make decisions that are the wrong decisions. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I'm spending a lot of time, uh, around, uh, the programs. I mean, I've traveled, uh, with men's basketball already to two games and we'll probably uh, go to at least a couple more. Uh, I'll, I'll try to go with women's basketball a time or two. Um, and then football, uh, I've spent a lot of time over there. Spent a lot of time with Neil, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go and sit with every member of the full time member of the staff for at least a half hour or so because I all of those data points and people's impressions and you know for me to hear the different perspectives uh, I always call it a 360 view mm-hmm. um, of what's going right and 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 what's not going right um, yeah. uh, and the good news is uh, for for Ashley and and other fans like. We're, we're not that far away. I mean, every, you know, every program in the Big 12 was top 50. You know, yes. you look at every other conference and they've got a lot of programs outside the top 50. Um, mm. You know, even the SEC has, uh, without calling names, but there was two or three programs that, um, you know, that we would beat unquestionably. Um, mm. And so, um, you know, you'd look at uh, Pitt as an example. I mean, analytically, whatever analytic you want to look at besides win-loss our teams are very similar, and we saw that playing them on the road and True. one play away uh, in overtime. Yet they finished nine and four. Now, we are not going to change, over, you know, what what conference we play in, nor the other the quality of the rest of the team. So, uh, but it lets you know you're not that far away, um, and and we've got to figure uh, we've got to figure out um, those those little things 
that, and sometimes it's silos. Sometimes that communication is not there. Mm-hmm. You know, John, John knows this as a former athlete. Um, if we can have great people working in all these areas that touch the experience of student athletes, but if they're not working cohesively together, um, it, 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 you don't get as much out of it. Right. Um, and so, uh, it, it, it all, it all, it all has to flow and function together and we'll spend a lot of time on that. Um, I mentioned this in my press conference, but I'm a big believer that successful organizations start with people and then you have to make sure they have the right tools and then they have to be following the right process. So I, I said this in a staff meeting today. I said, you know, what does process mean? I said, well, I would love to be a fitness model, but the process required to do that, I'm not going to do. And so, like, I, I might as well not set that goal, right? Like, that's that's not something that's going to happen. So true. Yeah. But, um, uh, Ashley sure co-signed that pretty early. Like, <laughs> I would have liked to see a little I was more thinking for myself too, a hundred percent. Never going to be that either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so you know, we we've got to have a process to get to where we want to get, uh, and, and we've got to make sure that we're that we're following it. And that process um, is uh, is going to take a little time to figure out and then to put into play. But uh, I told the staff in our meeting. I said, when when we're done with kind of a, a thorough assessment here, we will have a list. Some of it will be sports specific, some of it will be department wide, but we will have an Excel spreadsheet of items that we're going to do in year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, and what we expect the outcomes to be. Uh, and we're going to follow that and we're going to get those things done. And I'm confident we'll have success. And when people say, well, why? Because I did that in NAI and we had success. D2, we had success. You know, uh, North Texas, we had success. So I've just seen it work too often, and I'm confident that it'll work here. So it's just a, a business plan that you're just going to follow, basically. Yes. Nice. But, I mean, what I – And I'll help you with, I'll help you with yours uh, so that you're ready for this job when they find <laughs> it. Oh, that's there interesting. It Mentorship. The last, the, <laughs> last, the last AD wouldn't help me with my business at all. Woody Dave. Best Virginia alumni, you know yep. we got all the alumni coming back for games and stuff. And I was actually going to. That's a good question to ask, Ren. Just out of curiosity, I'm sure that you're semi-familiar with really what Huggins has done with the alumni, you know, with the basketball guys, building them the gym and allowing them to come around and everything like that. We have a huge alumni pres- presence here. How do I want to ask this? Um, what are your thoughts on that? And don't, do you believe that the university should foster that a little bit more? Yeah. So, um, let's talk about alumni, uh, first. Mm -hmm. I think every program that I've been at, there's this constant, uh, push and pull because you have alumni who played their tails off for you. They paved the way. Uh, they fill the potholes in the road uh, that, that the kids today uh, enjoy driving on. Um, but you take a school like West Virginia, where we have a bottom third of the league budget, you're stressing so hard to fund what you have to fund to stay competitive today mm-hmm. that you're constantly, every decision's connected. And everywhere where you might spend a dollar here, that's a dollar there you, you can't spend. So, you know, like I've seen some of the uh, – uh, questions that have come in on, um, you know, moving more students down low. Well, that's great. I would love to have more students down low, but every every paying fan that you move up, that's money that's gone. Right. And so, like, where's that money going to come from? And are we going to cut what we're spending? And so, that's why I always try and educate people that just throw out random. Well, you ought to do this. You ought to do that. Well, everything's inter. I don't get to look at these as one offs and make one decision. Like they're all interconnected. And there, it's all a a revenue and expense uh, uh, game. So back to alumni, I think you have to treat them well and build those relationships because they're ambassadors um, for your program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's take John. I'm sure John still follows high school ball back where he's from, probably knows people who are coaching now, probably knows people who are involved with AAU programs now. Um, So John feeling like this is a place that respects and takes care of its alumni is is helpful for us and you multiply that by all of the sports we have and all the alumni have and it's it's really important that uh you have a connection and that you show them appreciation and uh there are things that you can do that um i'll I'll give you an example at at, uh, 
North Texas, for instance. So um, even though they may all play other sports, because football is on Saturdays, football is the big reunion point for for most of, the, of your alumni coming in because mm-hmm. they move they move off and um so uh they were you know we went in with uh, a corporate tailgate that was the largest corporate tailgate as an athletic department because we started having all these coaches wanting to do one-off tailgates we said you know what we're going to throw a big party and we're going to subsidize this we're and and i don't remember exactly what we give them but we give them enough that alumni could go for free our athletic alumni all they had to do was be a member of our letter winners association, which was like 20 bucks a year or something. It was like next to nothing. Oh, wow. Uh, so they didn't have to pay that day anything. They, they just had to uh, be there. And then we give them discounted tickets. And, um, you know, we tried to be fair about some pregame field access. You know, I mean, all those foreign players that come back all want to be on the field. And you can only let so many people down there. <laughs> so but true, pregame, yeah. you can let more people down there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so – uh, you know, that was a little thing that cost us some money, but we were able to impact a lot of alumni and they felt really good and really yeah. valued yeah. For, for a minimal amount of money. And the, the corporate tailgate that we went in, they loved it because yeah. they, they recognized all those players and they had all those memories. And they got pictures and, yeah. um, and all those things. And so, you know, I, I think there are ways to find wins like that mm-hmm. to show that appreciation. Um, and, um, you know, when you look at, uh, at TBT, um, and those teams, so they, we started a team uh, recently in North Texas. And um, I, I uh, th- there was a couple of former alums. They did a great job of getting the, the team started. They raised a lot of money. They, they actually came to me first and asked if I was okay with them going to some of our best donors. I said, yeah, go, go to them. What you're going to do is not wow. going to affect us. Like the, you know, there you go, John. Music to our ears. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so – uh, and I, I wrote, I wrote them a check, uh, oh, wow. for, you know, not, it wasn't big money, but Heather and I supported their efforts mm. and, uh, you know, connect them with a couple of people that we thought would, would support them that maybe wasn't on their radar screen. And, um, and, uh, it was, uh, JJ and, and DJ and they were recent alums and, and great guys and, and North Texas had a great, uh, first year, uh, in the TBT. I, I can't remember, uh, they, where they finished up, but they won a couple of games. And yeah. so. Probably because um, they had support you know, and it was good support. Yeah. They felt good about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to uh, host because we're a first year team. But um, we were having conversations around hosting. Now, um, philosophically, let's take TBT out for a sec. I think we ought to be chasing all kinds of outside events. It's mm-hmm. good for us to bring people to our venues. Uh, they may come back for games and pay us. Um, mm-hmm. And there's ancillary revenues, parking, concession, whatever, anytime you can host something. And, yes. and um, we we have a revenue crisis right <laughs> right now. Uh, and so we need to chase any revenue that we can. I mean, we need to be hosting wedding receptions and, um, you know, whatever we can host, we need to be getting people uh, I, in here to host it. I, mm-hmm. I never so, thought about that one, a wedding reception. That's the only thing you said that I haven't said was a wedding reception. So you think outside the box. But let me just tell you, for the summertime, we don't have air conditioning in the Coliseum. No, they, yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was going to get to that. So, yeah. like, that's a problem. And, that, and this is, like, cooling the Coliseum is not like cooling your house, right? Like, right. that's a hundreds of thousands of dollar problem, mm-hmm. not a $5,000 problem. Like, my air conditioning in Texas went out a year or so ago. <laughs> I think it was like 5,000 bucks, you know, like Jeez. if we could fix it for that, like we would do it, <laughs> we would do it. But <laughs> right. um, I've been told like it's a, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's something that we have to look at. Um, and uh, it's something that, uh, but you, you know what, Ren? you know what, if well, it pained me to see like the Pat McAfee and we really got to work on the football side of the relationship with the alumni because it, it would hurt me to hear like Pat White, Steve Slade and all those big name guys tell us that, you know, they're not they don't feel welcome back. And what really messed me up was Pat McAfee going to Texas and making <laughs> those uh, hype videos as an A.D., I'm looking at that. I'm pissed off. I'm like, how did how do we let this happen? You know what I mean? And I'm sure Pat yeah. McAvee could donate a few thousand dollars to put a, a air condition in the AC. I mean, AC in the Coliseum if he felt good and felt welcome back. You know what I mean? So we do yeah. have some big name alumni and some some big guys that could really help us with our brand at WVU. So 
I just hope we mend those relationships and, and, and make them better. Future alumni yeah, I think head basketball coach of the Celtics, Joe Mazzulla. Oh, yeah, yeah Joe or Joe, yeah, there's that. I had a chance to uh, meet and visit with Joe briefly um, uh, in Stillwater, and uh, he, he and I have a really good mutual friend. Pete Thamel is a close close friend of mine, and uh, he and Joe go go way back. Uh, Pete uh, is yeah, uh, a writer. And, yeah, he work, He writes for ESPN. He's also mm-hmm. part of the game oh, okay. day crew. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, him and Joe connected way back somehow and so he actually had connected with me with joe um almost right after i got the job and so we had a chance to meet there in stillwater and i'm gonna try and go up and see a celtics game but uh you know like I, listen you have to uh you have to listen you um and, and uh you, you know and and hear uh why those those feelings are there uh and then just try and fix them um and most of the time i it, it comes down to um listening to hear and not just fake listening and, and then being able to communicate. And, uh, but, but it, it's, uh, you have to build bridges to, to your, uh, past. If, if you want the future to be as, as good, I yeah. mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. And now, so now have you ever heard of requests from alumni? Are you like, that's just ridiculous. We're not doing that. You're, you're... <laughs> cause yeah, it, like, it happens. I mean, so I've had people that, <laughs> <laughs> that think that they should get free season tickets. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like I, I hear you. you played here. You gave us a lot of good minutes. I'm for discounting some tickets for you mm. um, on a, you know, on a single <laughs> game. I don't mind to give you free tickets, but free season tickets, like, again, <laughs> like that's, you know, that's right. He's not wrong, uh, though, especially for every yeah. alumni. Think about how many people that is. So yeah. and, and so, you know, like it like, unfortunately, um, we just aren't, you know, aren't able to do that. Like the, mm-hmm. this is, has turned into a business. It's that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's highly competitive and, you know, like, um, uh, you're, we're not, we have great tradition here, but we're not going to out tradition anybody and, and we're not going to outspend anybody, right. but we're, but, but we are, we do have to find ways to create revenues and, um, anything that we do that, does the opposite of that is not going to be productive because at the end of the day what sells the program more than anything is winning and so i'm all for trying to uh, build support build relationships galvanize people but not not at the expense of of allowing our student athletes who are here today to have a great success and a great opportunity to win There's only one thing that comes close to the experience of singing country roads together after a Mountaineer win at home, and that's telling your friends and family about our show. While you're at it, tell them to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Final Forecast 2. This is the end of part one of our two-part episode with new WVU Athletic Director Ren Baker. Let us know you're listening. Make sure you check out part two when it drops.